0: Hey guys, we want to welcome you back to Fake Football Real People. We got a great episode for y'all today. We will be discussing the NFC East, which holds the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, and a team from Washington. Just kidding, the Washington football team. Some quick news in the world of sports. Travis Kelsey extended his contract with the Chiefs for four years and fifty seven million. George Kittle also extended his contract with the 49ers, five years and seventy five million.
1: Yeah, we got a we got a fun episode on top today. We got Solis and Pence's favorite teams, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of banter on today's show. But before we get jump into that, let's, um, let's talk about these two tight ends. I mean, I know for fantasy purposes, the top two tight ends. But as far as just tight ends in the NFL, which is better? I'm
0: going Kittle. I think Kittle has a way better athleticism upside than Travis Kelsey, especially since George Kittle can block and get downfield with ease, extremely fast, leapy out of the gym. Big Kittle supporter.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go agree with you there, Garrett. I like Kittle as well. I love what Travis Kelsey can do pass-wise, but I just love what Kittle brings to the running game as well as what he brings to after the pass.
3: Yeah, I also agree. I'm going to go with Kittle. Um, I saw a stat today on Twitter. 37 missed tackles last year. That's the most between tight ends and receivers. It's pretty impressive. I, I like him better than Kelsey.
1: I'm kind of surprised that we're all saying uh Kittle. I mean – Kelsey's definitely the better fantasy tight end, but as far as just a pure NFL tight end, I mean, Kittle's the best blocker in the game. I think if he was in Kansas City's offense, he'd be putting up the same numbers that Kelsey did or has, so yeah, I'm I'm going with Kittle as well.
4: Yeah, if we're talking about pure tight end, it's Kittle. My opinion on the fantasy-wise is Kelsey is a better quarterback. Kittle has more athleticism, and his
0: volume might be a little bit higher, but um Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. Some other quick news. Um, The Spurs missed the playoffs for the first time since 1997. Colin moore won the PGA Championship, and the Suns will miss the playoffs after going undefeated in the NBA bubble, which is pretty insane. Cool. Let's go and jump on to the NFC East. Uh, We're going to start off with the Philadelphia
4: Eagles. Uh, (laughs) Ooh. Go, Birds. Uh, Despite losing some honestly pretty prominent players in the offense, essentially in the receiving core, Eagles still fared out pretty well. Uh, top 15 in all offensive categories, 12th in total offense 2019. Um, and in general, that they played well with who they had. A couple different coaches, coach changes um, over the offseason. Obviously, Dougie Fresh, Doug Peterson still the head coach, doing well. Deuce Daly's going to take on a more prominent role. He's always been the RB coach, but now he's moving into assistant head coach. My tidbit on him is he favors Sanders, says he can't wait to see Sanders handle a full load. Um, Rick Scandarello is going to be our senior offensive assistant. We don't technically have an OC, uh, but he's going to act in that role. I think he's going to help with scheme fits, not really play calling. And then big one to me, Aaron Moorhead, wide receiver coach. Um, now I think he's really going to help develop some of our young guys. In terms of uh, you know fantasy relevant players, we did have some additions um, this year. We did lose Nelson Alaguer, thankfully. Uh, but we did draft Jalen Rager, <laughs> uh, John Hightower, and Quez Watkins. Um, all, all very fast guys. Yes, we got Marquise Goodwin, but he opted out this year, so he's irrelevant. d coming back from injury. Austin Jeffrey, possibly. Either way, I think we're looking good. Um, let's go and jump into Carson Wentz. I mean, he's he's a big topic. I, I'm really tired of that injury-prone uh, label. Yes, he has had some injuries in the past, but, I mean, he played all 16 games in the regular season last year before he got a cheap shot in the playoffs. did make the playoffs. Go Birds. Um, overview, I think consistency is the biggest factor in his, in his fantasy relevancy. Uh, the reason I say that is his floor is massive. I I think his, his, uh, ceiling is a little limited, but I think his floor is like, I mean, I don't think he does much worse than like nine or 10. And that's pretty good. In my opinion, despite losing his top three receivers, Jackson, Jeffrey, Aguilar, uh, went to for 4,000 plus yards and 27 touchdowns in 2019, uh, which highlights kind of how stable he can be. Um, in uh, with Rager coming in, Hightower and Quez Watkins, the Phil's gonna really open up. And Carson Wentz put on some weight this off season. I really think he's gonna blossom. He, I mean, he's, he's one of my favorite players this year, uh, really in general. And his his only real fault is his injury. So he's just he's disrespected amongst the league. Worked hard this off season. I really think he has as a potential to uh, finish in the top seven. I have him as my QB seven, and, it, and the floor's high and then the ceilings, you know, right around there too. And uh, speaking of uh, another young guy on the Eagles team who's really blossomed last year, and I think he takes another step forward this year. Pence, what do you think about Miles Sanders? Miles
3: Sanders. I, I hate having to talk about my rival team, but I am a fan of this guy. Um, last year, he had 179 rushes for 818 yards, and he averaged 4.6 yards a carry behind that strong line, and, but he only put up three rushing touchdowns, which... I think with that that bigger load this year, he he sees a, a way bigger bounce or way bigger jump on the touchdown total. But that's really not what kept him fantasy value last year. Is he he saw as a rookie, 63 targets and he caught 50 receptions for 509 yards and three touchdowns. So he only totaled six touchdowns, but he did catch a lot of passes and he actually finished as RB 15 as a rookie, which is pretty impressive. With Jordan Howard stealing 119 carries last year, he's no longer on the team. I can see Miles getting up into the 250 carry range. And, and if he does get 250 carries, I see him uh, around 1,100 yards. And I can see him surpassing that 50 reception mark this year after hearing the running back coach say that he wanted uh, to see what he could do with a full load. I can see him with 600 reception yards. And I think his total touchdown range probably goes up into the 10 or 12. I'm a huge fan of Miles this year, and I'm I'm gonna be fighting Tyler for him on my team this year. I know that's hard for me to say as a Cowboys fan. It hurts me inside, it hurts me. But I have I have Sanders ranked as RB ten, but with huge upside. I mean, huge upside. Yeah, I'm
4: right there with you, Pence. <clears throat> uh, he's my RB six uh, ADP has him at twelve. I have him at twelve in terms of uh, draft position. Uh, another couple stats on Sanders. It really does play into his receiving. Um, side of side of his game uh, as you mentioned. Um, ranked 4th in yards per reception last year at 10.2. 6th in catches over 10 or more yards with 14 and ranked 11 in yards per route run at 1.61. Uh, all pretty good stats. Uh, another, another little quick list I wanted to list out. Unaccounted carries by team. Um, Texans 254. Rams 234. KC 230. Bucks 215. Chargers 191. Falcons 190. Bills, 169, Eagles, 150, San Fran, 124, and Washington, 116. Uh, I mentioned those that list because two teams out of the NFC East are on that list, two teams that have a decent amount of carries that are going to be opening up for uh, the the running backs coming in this year. So uh, looking forward to seeing that. Uh, honestly, continuing the speaking on the younger players that are uh, that I believe, obviously, as an Eagles fan, will have some relevance this year. Sam, what do you got on Jalen Rager and the rest of the receiving corps?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really a huge fan of Rager. Um, I was a little surprised when they took him over at Justin Jefferson, but if you paid attention to their off season reports, it it was reported very early on that the Eagles were huge fans of Rager. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Solis, but that's everything I was reading very early on. They were they were huge fans of him.
4: Oh yeah, big fans. They, they, they thought he was a bull coming out of college, and I, I agree.
1: Yeah, and I I definitely saw the same thing at TCU. Um, I was expecting him to run a little faster at the combine. He only ran a four four seven, but. Uh, he gained a lot of weight before the combine, um, and he was reportedly running in the 4-3s uh, while he was training. And I I saw a 4-3 gone tape more than a 4-4-7, four four so I'm not really worried about the the combine numbers. Uh, a lot of people point out his not poor production at TCU, but a little bit lower than what you'd expect out of the Big 12. And I mean, a lot of that is due to their poor QB situation they had there. I mean, TCU is known for throwing up a lot of air yards and you know having good quarterbacks, but they've kind of been a QB disaster for the last two or three years, and you, he really had nothing to work with. I mean, they had some talent around him, but overall, they didn't win a lot of games. Uh, his QB situation, like I said, was terrible, and I think he got a little disinterested and wasn't running routes at full speed a lot of times, so that has a lot more to do with his kind of lack of production of that poor uh, conference, but overall, I think he's uh, he's a, he's an extremely smooth runner. He just explodes past people on tape, and I think it's under, underrated part of his game is how he goes up and gets the ball. I mean, he's very good at those contested uh, catch situations. I think he's going to be pretty good in the red zone. Watching him a lot in college, I think he has a lot of uh, upside as a route runner. And so overall, I'm, I'm really, really excited about what Rager can do this year. But really in the future, I think he's a little raw. But I think in a couple years, he's going to be a, a really good receiver. and I think he could enter into that top 10, top 15 conversation once he gets a couple years under his belt.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see his growth as well.
1: I mean, it, as far as the rest of y'all, are y'all interested in Deshaun Jackson or Alshon this year? I know they're both kind of getting up there in age, but there's there's a lot of targets in this offense, and someone has to get them. Does, does any of these guys excite you?
4: Yeah, the, the way I look at it is, and this this is odd to say, but the Eagles receiving course, kind of a crowded positional group right now, not with like a world of talent, but I mean, you got Deshaun Jackson coming back off injuries. He's going to start Alshon. Should be starting the season on the pup physically unable to perform list uh, with a foot injury, um, which will knock him out for a minimum six games. So he's out. But then you have Jalen Rager, J.J. ortega Whiteside, who's our 2019 third round pick, which he didn't play extremely well. Sometimes it takes receivers a year or two. I do think he um, fights in for a lot of play time this year. I don't know. I don't think he'll be fantasy relevant, but he'll, he'll take snaps away from other guys. Uh, don't forget about Greg Ward. Um, and then you got John Hightower and Quez Watkins. Who I don't think are super relevant, but all these guys are gonna see the field. So, um receiver wise, I don't know if too many are extremely fantasy relevant this year other than D
3: Yeah, I think the only other real fantasy relevant if Djax stays healthy, um, I wouldn't mind taking a, you know, a flyer on Deshaun Jackson. I mean, he's explosive, Wins can throw the ball downfield. Uh, and they showed that little connection when they first played together. Speaking of targets and who Wentz is really gonna be targeting on this team. Sam, what do you think about the tight end group this this
1: year? Yeah, I mean it's it definitely it definitely starts off with Ertz. I mean he's been he's been so damn consistent. He's caught at least seventy four passes and had eight hundred and fifteen yards in the last five years. I mean you just don't get that type of consistency from the tight end position and he's done it. I don't know why. I really don't understand why people are kinda of down on him this year. I mean he has missed a little time with injury in the past, but he's always played at least fourteen games. He is thirty years old but This is normally still a a good year for for tight ends. I mean, most tight ends are in their prime from kind of like age 28 to 33, 34. So him being 30 years old does not worry me at all. Um, I guess my only issue with him are targets are a little up and down week to week. And he did see majority of his targets at the end of last year with, like Solis has previously said, damn near all their wide receivers were hurt. or, I mean, yeah, they just just had a ton of injuries. So um, that scares me a little bit. Um, I guess the biggest discussion around him this year is Dallas Goddard's growth last year. Pence, how do you see him take? do you, do you see him taking the next step this year?
3: See, I think um, when people are talking about the worrisome with wins or er, with Ertz, it's not so much the fact about him taking a step back in talent or not getting the same amount of um, like targets or Snapshare, but I think it's more that people are thinking that Goddard is a super talented, big tight end, who's young, and does exactly what Ertz does, but, you know, is a little quicker, a little taller. I mean, this guy's talented. I mean, last year, he even in that offense, and like I said, they had no receivers, so they they really fed tight ends last year, but he saw 87 targets still, with Wentz still seeing... um, you know, he still saw 135 targets. So, I mean, that's a lot of targets towards a tight end. I think you're right, though. I think it's going to be something similar. Um, Maybe Goddard catches a tight end, another another touchdown or two. I kind of, I still like Ertz over Goddard, but I mean, Goddard's super talented, and I can see the Eagles possibly putting up another year with two tight ends in the top 10.
1: Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Solis, but this Eagles staff absolutely loves Goddard, and they, they cannot talk about him enough.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely, as they should. You know, look at some of the plays he made last year, and I, I think he's going to blossom.
1: Yeah, he's he's definitely a, a, a great-looking young tight end. I will say, though, I mean, he's probably more athletic than Ertz, but they still averaged the same yards per reception last year. And, I mean, Ertz is just such a great route runner, and he's a pretty damn good athlete himself, so – I just think people are falling in love with the potential of Goddard a little too much and kind of falling off Ertz. I mean, I'm I'm seeing them slip into the fifth round this year, and I mean, I, I there's enough room in this offense for both of them to be good. They were number one in um, plays run under twelve personnel, which is two tight end sets, and mm-hmm. I don't see that changing this year. I don't mm-hmm. think they have enough weapons out enough accountable weapons outside where they can just go away from that. Um, yeah, like yeah. Penn said, I think the, the target share kind of stays the same this year. Goddard may go up a little bit, but I don't think Ertz is going to fall off too much. I, him going to the fifth round is kind of crazy to me, especially with his consistency. And if he's there in the in the fourth round and I, I don't have one of those elite tight ends, I will grab him in every draft. I, I have no problem taking him.
4: Yeah, my biggest thing on Ertz, honestly, is um, with Alshon being on the first six games, they're going to be leaning on someone they're comfortable with. Winston needs to start off hot. Eagles need to start off hot. I mean the tight ends did take 38.9 percent of our, our our targets last year. Uh, we start off Washington, Rams, Cincinnati, San Francisco. I think Earth has a, a hot season start and we'll we'll go from there. So I think definitely draft them early.
1: Yeah, and and to build on that, they have the the easiest tight end schedule overall this year. Yeah, which it, I mean, it's it makes me like yeah. both the tight ends even more, and it mm-hmm. makes me like Wentz a little more because these are going both these guys are going to be the focal point of their of their uh, passing offense. Yeah. And
0: I think that's the thing about Ertz is people forget how elite he really is at that position. And so when people are saying they're pushing him down in the in the rankings, they're it's kinda almost like a little nudge that saying that you're losing it. And I don't think he is at all.
1: No, he's definitely not. So let's let's switch it over to uh Pence's favorite team. Go um, Boys. And, yeah, I mean if you know Pence, you know he's a complete homer. Uh he hates everyone besides the Cowboys. Um he's he. <laughs> He has a poster hold up on in him. He's he's kind of <laughs> kind of, hold
3: on. I, I'm a respectful Cowboys fan. He's not <laughs> a respectful he's Cowboys
1: fan. Not, he's, he's kind of at all. a mediocre he, he, person, just like the Cowboys. He, he's, right he's in the like, middle. He's one of the Cowboys <laughs> fans that you always see mouthing off on Facebook and just making ridiculous oh. posts.
3: Now we're just being damn not, damn out crazy now. I don't do any of that stuff. Am I being ignorant? You are being ignorant. <laughs> like a
0: Cowboys
4: fan. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs>
3: All I can say is y'all boys watch the season. We just signed Everson Griffin. Griffin, Y'all are in trouble, baby.
1: you, know, you said that the last. Like you said that last year too, and y'all missed the playoffs, guys. <laughs> and, hey, is this a
3: bash uh, Tyler's favorite team podcast or about fantasy football?
1: Hey, no, it, it's it's definitely not. I mean, it's definitely bashing Tyler's favorite <laughs> <laughs> team. But I mean, if if you look at this Cowboys team last year, they were a very very good offense. I don't think people realize how good of an offense they were. I mean, they were they were really dominant. They did struggle against a few of the top uh, defenses and teams, but overall, they had a great season. Uh, I believe they were 11th in passing attempts last year and 9th in rushing attempts, which just shows how efficient they were last year. They do lose Travis uh, Frederick, but overall, this is still a great offensive line. The thing that kind of caught my eye that I looked at the other day is they are replacing Jason Witten with a much more athletic and a much better receiver and Blake Jarwin and a Old Randall, uh, older Randall Cobb, who has not produced before – he hadn't produced in three or four seasons before he got to the Cowboys with a complete stud in C.D. Lamb. Uh, they bring in Mike McCarthy. I think he's only going to help that offense. Um, it is reported that um, – what's his name? Kellen Kel- Moore. Kellen Moore Kellen is, is going to remain the offensive coordinator. Uh, I do believe that, but Mike McCarthy will have his hand in the offensive game plan quite a bit, and I think he's only going to help Kellen – grow as an offensive coordinator. So, obviously, this, the conversation uh, this offseason has been about Dak and his contract, and this team definitely revolves around Dak. I mean, they're going to go where Dak leads them. Uh, Pence, where do you – I mean, what's the ceiling for Dak this year?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Everybody says it goes through Zeke, it goes through Zeke. Um, as a Cowboys fan, I mean, and da- Dak's the heart and soul of what makes this uh, this team go right now. Um, he took a big step last year. I mean, I have him as my fourth ranked quarterback, and I could see him easily being, you know, right behind Patrick Mahomes. And I honestly think he could could surpass uh, Lamar this year. I think Dak throws over five thousand yards. So, um, but like you know, getting back into last season, he took a major step with uh, Kellen Moore under. Um, and like I, like Sam said earlier, uh, Mike McCarthy, the QB whisperer, is now on the team. Uh, I think it only helps his development. Um, those guys those two minds are going to be great together and I, I think you know dak last year he threw for 388 completions on 596 attempts for 4902 yards 30 touchdowns and 11 interceptions and with a qb rating of 99.69 i mean that's that's really impressive numbers for a first year offensive coordinator calling plays and you're just you're just adding more to another year with him and another year for, Dow, uh, for Dak in that offense and like Sam said adding receivers like CeeDee Lamb you know Gallup going into his third year Amari Cooper Jarwin you got Zeke and you add in um Tony Pollard I mean this offense is scary and he Dak has the third, uh, the best trio wide receiving core in the game as you can tell I'm, I'm very high on Dak I'm excited I think he throws over 5,000 yards I'll say it again but another thing that makes Dak fantasy relevant is he does run the ball a decent amount, so you do get some some rush yards, and he does punch the ball in with a couple of rushing
1: touchdowns per year. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't the yards don't excite me as much as the touchdowns. He's he's always top two or three as yeah. far as rushing touchdowns by the quarterback, and that that's a huge uh, added bonus yeah, for, exactly. for every quarterback. Position. Last
3: year he rushed for three. I mean, I think the year before he was even higher than that. I mean, he gets in you know when they get into that red zone, he he will punch the ball on himself.
0: Did you see him in Mississippi State? That's oh, yeah. all he had to do. That's all he ever did. <laughs>
3: yeah. So, um, you know, I've rambled on about Dak enough. You got – what do you got something to say, Rory?
2: I got a question, man, about about that whole offense. Is McCarthy going to take away from the run game or do you think it's going to be just so potent of an offense
3: that there's just going to be enough to, to feed everybody? So, I think, um, in my opinion, how, how it's going to run is I think the ball is going to run through the air – And I truly believe that. But I think all that's going to do is help the run game be way more efficient. You know, Dallas has been fighting full man boxes with Jason Garrett. Sorry, the clapper ass. Uh, (laughs) I was sick and tired of watching that (laughs) offense. He held him back. And I think they will throw the ball more. But I I do not, I don't want to come out and say I think uh, Zeke's going to see less, way less touches because I think he'll see as many, but it's just going to be more efficient touches.
1: Yeah, I I think if his. If they throw the ball more, I think the offense overall is just more efficient. So, I think yeah. there's still room for them to be a top 15 rushing offense and be a top 10 to maybe even 5 offense as far as pass attempts.
3: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And and while we're on the subject, Sam, what, do you, what are you thinking about Zeke and, and Pollard this year?
1: I mean, we kind of just touched on it. I, I think Zeke's carries go down a little bit. I mean, this guy is just – he's so consistent. He, he Every year he plays, he gets over 300 carries. He gets – you know 16 to 2000 uh, all-purpose yards 10 to 15 touchdowns uh, his receiving numbers have been going up a lot he's proved that he's a good receiver uh, I do think the rushing attempts come down a little bit just with them throwing the ball more I, I do think they throw the ball quite a bit more this year uh, hopefully they won't run the ball on first down 99% of the time like they've done the last eight years that Jason Garrett's been there but um, I think overall the efficiency like Tyler said goes up and I think his career average of 4.5 or 4.6 yards per carry probably goes up this year. And I think he may not get 300 carries this year, but if he gets 250, I think he averages over 5 yards per carry. Uh, he's still involved in the passing game. I, I, a little concern for me is if you watch Pollard at all last year, he looked very good. And I, I think they're going to try to get him involved a little a little bit more in the passing game. Are you kind of thinking the same thing, Solis?
4: Yeah, I'm <clears throat> I'm a big fan of Pollard, to be honest. I think um, I got to hear a lot from Pence last year. Uh, and, and really, whenever they drafted him, and I started watching him myself, and I, I think he's extremely good. I mean, he led the NFL in elusive rating, racking up like 26 broken tackles on just 101
1: touches. Like, that's pretty that's, pretty, pretty
4: freaking good. That's <laughs> crazy.
1: And he averaged 5.3 yards per carry. That's, yeah, That's good numbers.
4: He's, he's cold. So, I think Pollard is pretty, pretty good. I mean, I, I put him in the first tier of handcuffs with uh, Madison... Uh, Latavius Murray and Pollard, and I don't know if I have a exact order, but I wouldn't mind taking either one of those three as a handcuff, a top handcuff in this
1: league. Yeah, I get guys. If out of those handcuffs, uh, like you mentioned, we're talking about um, we're talking about Tony Pollard, obviously. We're talking about Alexander Madison in Minnesota, Edmonds in Arizona, and Latavius Murray in New Orleans. Guys that probably won't see a lot of touches and won't be weekly starters in fantasy, but if if any of those guys uh, starting running backs goes down, who do you like the best out of that list to, to take over and be a, a top 10 or top 5 running back in fantasy?
3: I'm not just being a homer. I think it's Pollard, to be honest with you. I think it's actually, if I was going to give an order, and I will just because I can, my opinion, it's Pollard, Madison. <laughs> <laughs> is this your podcast <laughs> now? Hey, hey, this is my <laughs> podcast takeover. now. But uh, I think I'm it's, the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's Pollard, Madison, and Murray. And the only reason why I have Murray ranked third is I think the Saints – have plenty of other weapons if Kamara goes down, and I think uh, Sean Payton's smart enough to find other ways to get the ball. Even though Murray has been good when he has touched
1: the ball, but he, I mean he, he was like the number one fantasy running yeah. back in the three or four weeks when Kamara yeah. didn't play. Last year. I mean was, I, I understand.
3: Good. I just I, I I like Pollard. I think he'll catch more passes than Murray will when
0: it comes all down to it. If Zeke was to go down, Murray doesn't have really good hands, does he? Uh, I mean
1: I don't think so. But
0: <laughs> when, when he was in when he was in Minnesota, they didn't really throw it to him that much.
1: No, but, I mean, if, if we're talking about these guys, I think Pollard's probably the best option if if they go down. But like I talked about earlier, uh, I think I talked about earlier, maybe I didn't, Zeke has not missed a game since he came in the NFL, uh, barring the suspension. So I don't think it's a very good bet that Zeke goes down and Pollard takes over. As far as these handcuffs, I would actually like Edmonds because I think Kenyon Drake's kind of the least proven of, you know, of the guys. And if he does see the field, like he did a week or two last year and he balled out, I, th- I think he'll he'll have a really good a really good year if, if Kenyon Drake were to go down. Yeah, that's a valid point.
2: Hey, I think if you're talking about guys that are possibly go down, that Denver backfield is something serious. If I know they're splitting the carries probably 50-50 either way, but when you talk about if one guy goes down, I think you boost the other guy into RB1 automatically.
4: And that's why it's not a handcuff because they're probably going to be splitting carries. But I do get your point. I think that they have a lot of talent in that backfield as well.
1: Yeah, and they're they're both kind of injury prone guys, so I could I could see one of them getting hurt for sure. But let's go ahead and um, let's talk about uh, this re, this receiving core a little more, and uh, not the receiving core, but uh, Blake Jarwin particularly. I know Garrett is a huge fan of this guy. Um, he played at a, a Oklahoma State, and for some reason, Garrett acts like he went to <laughs> Oklahoma State and loves everyone that <laughs> plays there. So um, Garrett, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. What's what do you see in store for Jarwin this year?
0: Man, he's as cool as the other side of the pillow. I love this guy. Um, he's replacing J- Jason Witten, who came in 2019 looking like a two by four. Um, At back is still. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Witten in 2019 had 83 targets. He averages 75.9% catch rate. There's no question that he's a Hall of Famer, but he averaged, you know, he had 529 total receiving yards last year. 162 of those yards came after the catch. That is 2.6 yards after reception. Yeah, He's that's that's <laughs> not good. He's 6'6". So, basically, all he had to do was take one step and fall. He even had to take fetal a position. He fetal did. fetal, <laughs> fetal <laughs> position. Fetal <laughs> <laughs>
3: position drop, and he would gain almost as many yards <laughs> as he did, so. Yeah.
0: so, So, basically, you're replacing him with an actual football player. Right. Right? And Dak threw it 124 total times to Witten and Jarwin. Now – Here's where I'm going to get into Jarwin. He resembles Travis Kelsey on paper. We can't really go off of all of his stats um, because they're a little obviously they're overshadowed by Jason Winton, and then in 2018, it was just a ginormous committee. Um, Kelsey ran a 46340 at the combine. Jarwin ran a 469. Kelsey's vertical is 35 inches. Jarwin's is 34 and a half. We've seen what Kelsey's been able to do. And Jarwin in 2018, he caught seventy five percent of his passes. He only recorded one drop and he had five point one yards after cat after after the catch and put up three touchdowns to Jason's four. Blake Jarwin will be the Cowboys number one tight end this season. The question is how much room is there for him at this point? With those 124 targets, they gotta go somewhere. So if you add Randall Cobbs in, which is eighty three targets, you add those together, you get a little over two hundred, right? Randall Cobb being obviously replaced by CD. But that's still 124 targets. And they're not going to throw it to Pence, who's their backup?
3: Uh, Blake Bill. They're not going to. And gonna Dalton throw. Schultz. Yeah. I mean, two other guys. You don't really know who's number two yet. but
0: So, if you take that and you say, let's not even say that he gets 124 targets. Let's just say he gets 100 targets. He averaged 11.8 yards per catch. I mean, and then you add the touchdowns. That's seven with Jason Witten and, and Jarwins. This guy's looking like a top-tier tight end. I mean, he's looking to me in my eyes. He could be five or six finishing next this year in fantasy.
3: Yeah, I mean that. That's I mean that's that's pretty high, and I mean I'm not saying that it's, it's not possible because I agree. I mean, Jason Witten leaving opens up a lot of targets for Jarwin. They pay they paid Jarwin starter money, so there's no question who the starter is. Last year, he really showed um, he played really well over the middle of the field, and and Dak really liked him when he was in. If he, if he does get the same amount of targets, and like I said, my um my prediction is he sees around 85 targets, and I, I could see him getting around the 700-yard the mark. And like you said, you said seven touchdowns. I have him as, as, as six touchdowns. But with those numbers, I mean, that, that is top ten tight end numbers, and I think he's getting drafted way in the back. Yeah, so. his,
0: his ADP is 165, and he's tight end rate number 20. I mean, he's not – I'm not saying in the first six rounds you're going to go after him, but – to grab all the players that you want to get at the very beginning of the draft, draft how you want to running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, whatever you want to do. He's going to be there when you need him. And speaking of wide receiver threats, Sam, why don't you go ahead and tell us what else they got for our weapons out there?
1: Yeah, I mean they, they got a lot. They Amari Cooper is a is a proven stud. He's one of the best route runners in the league. Um, I've obviously talked about Gallup a lot, and I think he's a he's a great player that's going to blossom even more this year. Uh, they had C D Lamb at Oklahoma, who this is a guy I've been. I've had an eye on since he was at Richmond Foster. I mean, he's a he's a game-changing wide receiver. Um, they're going to move all three of these guys around um, in their formations this year, and I think they all have great years. Um, I've seen some stats recently where um, people are act- actually suggesting that Gallup could overcome a Cooper this year in fantasy points. Pinch, do you think that's crazy, or do you think Amari still is the, is the number one target in this offense?
3: I think that's a really tough question, (laughs) and to be honest with you, I I really have a hard time answering that. Gallup, even his rookie year, going back and watching the games, they clicked on the deep ball instantly. I mean, Gallup, I mean, they had this, like, connection, and then in year two, it came up again, and when Cooper went down, Gallup, I mean, he he played on, on a tough knee, he had knee surgery in the beginning of the year, and he still played on it and, and put up massive numbers, still over a thousand yards. I don't think it's completely crazy to say that how that he's going to outscore Cooper, but if Cooper plays sixteen games and Gallup plays sixteen games, I do think Amari does outscore him. But that's if he plays sixteen games.
0: But I, I mean, it's and that's, and that's on both of them too.
3: Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I haven't seen enough injuries to to be worried about Gallup. I mean, he hurt his knee, had a scope, missed two games. But in fourteen games, he put up a thousand yards. And in college, I don't remember hearing about any major injuries. Cooper fought injuries since he's been in the league. So and,
0: and, and mental problems, especially with Cooper.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to it. I mean, and and I just have to take a second while we're sitting here because the NFL let C D Lamb drop all the way to 17, and let us put together the best trio wide receiving core in the game. And just just to rub it in a little bit, I'm going to let Tyler talk about our uh, wonderful, wonderful receiving core. Because, I mean, the Eagles is a trash.
1: I know y'all can't see it, but it looks like Pence is about to make love to his mic over here talking <laughs> I mean, about these receivers. You guys a, have no idea.
0: He got a little close to it. He did. <laughs> and, and you know the last person to wear 88 for the Cowboys? Michael Irvin, probably. And Des Bryant and oh, Michael Irvin. you're right. They're all right. three Texas boys.
4: Are you a Cowboys fan now, too, Garrett? <laughs> 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 no, I'm, I'm a big fan of the receiving core, obviously. like, I mean, you got to respect football players. Like, yeah, I hate the Cowboys, but I respect good players. Personally, my favorite receiver on the Cowboys is Michael Gallup, though. And the reason I say that is I like his deep throw to ability as well as his ADPs going like the seventh round I definitely think his seventh round receiver definitely worth it I mean I would take him before that personally I mean he put up a thousand yards last year with Cooper um I do think CD gets some targets obviously he should he's a a world of a talent but um if I had to pick out of the three who I'm drafting I'm going Michael Gallup because of his ADP and his upside and and Dak really likes him
1: yeah I agree I mean I know we I know I asked you whether Gallup could outproduce Amari. I, I don't really think that's reasonable. I, I, I do think Amari's still the better wide receiver. He's going to be their go-to guy. I just kind of thought it was worth mentioning because of how big the gap is when they're ADP. I mean, Amari's getting picked in the third round, and we got Gallup going in the sixth or seventh. I don't think the difference is that big. Um, so I I do think that...
3: I do agree with you there. I mean, that that's it, there's not that big of a difference. I mean, no. value-wise...
1: Value wise Gallup, Gallup is, is by, by far. By the, far yeah. definitely the definitely the better yeah. option. Exactly. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I, I actually think Amari moves into the slot quite a bit. I I know Randall Kopp played there last year and he's gone and now CD's there, so they think everyone thinks CD's gonna be in the slot, but I think they move Amari to the slot. I think that helps Amari. I think his route running ability out of the slot is gonna be dynamic with, with Dak throwing on the ball.
4: Yeah, my only point on C D is while I think I mean when he gets the ball in his hands, he's gonna be amazing, but if you're being realistic, he's got to be at earliest the fourth target on the team, maybe the fifth. If you got to think about Cooper, Gallup, Zeke, and Jarwin. So, I mean, I mean, it's just his target share is the only thing that I think holds him back. But don't get me wrong. I still think he can go off.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. We, we've kind of talked about all these rookie receivers quite a bit. Uh, we've talked about Judy. We've talked about CD. We've talked about Ruggs. We've talked about Jalen Rager. We haven't mis- mentioned Justin Jefferson yet, but he's a guy we'll get to eventually. And we've talked about Ayuk a little bit. If... You don't have to rank them, but as far as fantasy football wise this year, who are some guys out of this list that are standing out for y'all?
0: Justin Jefferson, love him. That's all you got to say. Drop the, I, just, the mic? I, I I feel like his name puts a stamp on there. All right.
3: I'm actually gonna hop on Garrett with the Jefferson. I actually like Jefferson this year in Minnesota with Diggs jump dropping out. Um, I think if Jefferson stays healthy, which like I said, I mean he hasn't really fought any of that in in at LSU. I, I like him as a number two receiver, and I think he could blossom. But I'm actually interested in a couple guys. I mean, Ruggs, we talked about him last episode. I mean, he easily could be fantasy relevant this year. Um, Judy, like like I said, we talked about him. I I really like – the only guy on this list that I really have any questions that I probably wouldn't draft is Ayuk, just because I have no idea how how to look at where he's at right now. But I I like every person on that list, so I I really can't give you like a full-on rank
4: yeah i'm kind of with you on that i think rugs opens up the season him and jefferson open up the season with the most opportunity in, in terms of just where they're at and in the, in the, on the on the team um but i'm right there with you i think jeff I, i'm a big fan of jefferson too i wanted the eagles to draft and be honest i'm not upset with rager but I, I do like jj
1: yeah Roy, where do you have these guys i mean what do you what do you think about them
2: Pain's kind of took the words out of my mouth Um uh... I really feel pretty good about what Jefferson can do. I think Diggs has some about 110 targets over there. Uh, they signed TyJ Sharp, but he's a number three guy, man. I, it's Jefferson's job as the two to take over. Uh, where I disagree, though, is Ayuk. I know he's coming back from injury, so it's kind of in the air about what to expect. But with Debo out and a lot of youth over there, I really do think they're going to find ways to use him, and he's going to be starting early on and getting an experience, kind of like Rager. Uh, Judy's the other guy who I think can be a big name in the fantasy world this year to look at. Um, you know, the other guys look good. I love CD Rugs; those guys. Rugs has a good opportunity, but to me, it's kind of Jefferson, IU, and Judy are my guys.
1: Yeah, I I actually like. I mean, I think coming into the season. Rugs and, and Rager actually probably have the two best opportunities as far as just the number of targets if you're kind of looking at the outlooks of both their teams I do think Jefferson fills in nicely for for Diggs and, and probably settles in for over 100 targets out of the slot there but the biggest upside guys for me this year without any injuries around them are Rugs and, and Rager I, I actually think Rager has a pretty decent chance to be the number one fantasy scoring uh, rookie wide receiver this year I think they're they do have a lot of guys there, like you said, Solis, but none of them really jump off the page. I mean, Deshaun's like thirty-three, thirty-four now. He's dealt with a a, a boatload of injuries. Uh, Alshon's already hurt, guaranteed to miss the first six weeks if he ends up on the pup, which we're all expecting him to. And mm-hmm. he honestly could miss another two or three games after that. That pup list is, a, you know, he, after he comes off that that list. So
4: yeah,
3: yeah, and it's a foot injury. So I mean, right? Pff, there's and no
1: he's he, he's getting up there in age. He's battled with a lot of injuries, so. Um, I think all of these guys are are worth the flyer. Once you get into the later rounds, I wouldn't mind having two or three guys on on my team and just kind of see how it plays out over the, you know, over the first four to eight weeks and see if, you know, a couple are standing out. But I do think one or two guys, one or two of these guys bust and not bust, but pops off and, and has really, really good years there. This is a great, great rookie, uh, wide receiver draft. And, um, these are going to be some guys that we're going to be talking about a lot over the next 4 to 5 years.
0: I could see you remember how oh, um Calvin Ridley. Do you remember how Calvin Ridley started out on the Falcons behind Julio Jones and he couldn't really find his footing and then all of a sudden he just busted out on the scene. And yeah, he was I mean he was
1: pretty solid when he came in day 1, but he was behind Julio. That's how I see Justin Jefferson pulling it out out there. Yeah, I I can see that a lot. He's a good route runner. Yeah,
3: I mean I completely agree because yeah. I mean Adam Thielen's 31, so I mean
0: I mean, but Adam Thielen's still gonna get his target. I
3: mean, shape. I understand that. I'm just saying I agree with you that it there's he could he could be a great guy this year and then next year he could be the guy. Yeah, yes. he is. So, he, he has he definitely has the potential. I a hundred percent agree.
1: So to start this podcast off, we've talked a lot about we've talked a lot about two teams that have a ton of fantasy relevant players on there. Let's go ahead and switch it over to a team that really has none besides <laughs> Terry McLaurin. Um the Washington Redskins, man. Or not I'm sorry. Not the Washington Redskins, the Washington football team. Um, they what football team? I don't know. They, <laughs> they're honestly they're they're not as bad as we were talking about. They they don't have a great offensive line. Um, their receivers, besides McLaurin, are, are pretty poor. Um, they were they were pretty bad last year, and all they've done this off season is let go of Trent Williams and draft a running back in the third round. So, I don't think their outlook looks a whole lot better. They are having a new. Um, Regime basically come in. They have had a lot of front office and coaching changes. Uh, Scott Turner is going to take over as their offensive coordinator. Uh, this is Norv's son. Um, I don't really know what to expect from Scott. Um, Norv in the past has kind of always had always you know evolved his offenses around um, what what players he has on his team. Um, he's Last year with the Panthers, uh, Scott did have a pretty good hand in what they were doing with their offense, and they were a very pass-happy team. They got the ball out of um, all their quarterback's hands really quick, and I kind of think that's the way it shakes out here. I think they want to get the ball out of Haskins' hands and try to um, kind of get past their their poor offensive line by doing that. Besides Terry McLaurin, I think my most fantasy interest is in this backfield. Antonio, I mean not Antonio, Adrian Peterson, um, is still around. He's still alive. I think he's like 47 years old. Um, he actually averaged 4.4 yards per carry last year, which I didn't realize. And uh, he's he's still around and will still have some impact on the team. You know who's I, not still around? Geis was definitely supposed to be the leader this year. Um, he is now, I think he, he will be in jail if he's not already. He tried to uh, kill a woman with his hands. Uh, he strangled her until she's unconscious. So, he is gone. We probably will never see him again. Kind of it's, a uh, this is another Ray
0: Rice case here. He's gone. It's ah, a little worse than Ray Rice. Let's it,
1: uh, it's worse than Ray Rice because uh, Ray Rice is actually good when he hit hit his uh, wife with the left hook. But um, yeah, Geis is done. He's kind of a uh, Aaron Hernandez gone forever type scenario <laughs> here. But Roy, how do you see this backfield checking out? I mean, do you think Adrian leads the carries uh, to start the year, or do you, you think they want to get one of these young rookies involved pretty quick?
2: Uh, Just going in to kind of touch on what you were talking about, about Scott Turner. Um, I think his game is getting the ball out of the QB's hands quick too. Uh, He led Cam to uh, 67.9% completion percentage, and he led Bradford. He was the QB coach back when Bradford can throw and was alive (laughs) to uh, 71%. So uh, that's the kind of game they're going to play. But as far as AP – He had 59% of the snaps last season and was two yards shy of running for a 900-yard season. Uh, The year before, he had 1,000 with Alex Smith at the helm. Um, And if you really think about it and you think about what Ron Rivera did for a while there, right as they drafted McCaffrey, he stuck with Stewart because I think he likes a vet that he can trust. And I know AP is 35 but AP is not your average 35-year-old, and we saw that when he ran for 2,000 after that ACL injury. Um, I think AP can run for 1,000 again. Guys had 42 carries, and if you ask me how they're going to split that up, I'd say at least 30 of them are going to go to AP. So I think you're going to see him take the job. Um, I think they're going to have to try to lean on the run. With the receiving core they have outside of McLaurin, they're going to have to lean on the run. And I think if Haskins wins that job and Haskins takes that next step forward, I think you're going to see AP be able to run for a 1,000 again, around the 240 attempt mark maybe. You know, he doesn't bring anything in the pass game, but I did see the running back coaches talk about um, trying to work him in on checkdowns, you know, and using him for play action. So I think you're going to see the majority of him coming out uh, with those young guys surrounding him but I think you need to limit your expectations and understand that you are getting a run guy only. Standard league, sure. Um PPR, you need to understand that you're maybe getting a a weak flex week in and week out. What are you thinking about him?
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Roy. I think he does um see majority of the the rush attempts early on in the season, but um once they get on into the season, especially if they're not winning games, they're going to have to start looking at some of these young guys that they have and Seeing how they can get them involved. Um, a couple of guys that I think we've both talked about are Antonio Gibson and, and Bryce Love. As far as Gibson, um, and he's a pretty exciting guy coming out of Memphis. He didn't touch the ball a lot, but he had a very good combine. I think he measured in at like 6'1, 220 and ran up 4'3'9. Kind of reminds me a little bit of a David Johnson coming out. Um, both coming from a small school. Uh, David didn't run a 4'3'9, but he was very explosive at the combine, and they both can do a lot. Um, as receivers, Roy. I know it's kind of been reported that Antonio Gibson is, uh, in meetings with both running backs and receivers. Do you think he becomes a receiver on this team, or do you think they want to get him involved as a running back?
2: Man, I'll tell you what. I've seen it with guys. You know, in in, in my coaching career, I've seen it with guys trying to cross train in different rooms, and it is tough, man. Especially at the NFL level. Even though these guys eat, sleep, and breathe football, it's still tough learning positions. I think with what they have in the backfield, they're going to try to get him as that third down back. Um, But, you know, I've seen the running back coach come out and say, which he's correct, that it's going to take time for him to be able to diagnose blitzes and uh, learn different protection schemes. Um, I saw Rivera kind of compare him to a bigger McCaffrey. To me, you know, with the I know this isn't a running back. It kind of reminds me of Tyreek Hill with his style and what he can do with the ball in his hands, man. I think it's going to take some time, but if you wait and you, and you take a flyer on him by about week four, or if you can scoop him up on waivers by about week four, I think you're going to see him used a lot more in that offense, and I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be really worth your your time, especially for a team that I expect to be playing from behind a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, I think his his early role is definitely going to have to come from the passing game. And if you look at some of the other options on their team, I think he probably has the best shot to be their third down running back once he can get in there, learn the scheme, learn you know the blitz protections and stuff like that. One thing I've noticed people are kind of talking about mainly on Twitter is how much he touched the ball at Memphis. He only caught 44 passes and rushed 33 times. But he averaged 19 yards per catch and 11.2 yards per carry. And what what really stood out to me is when I actually went back and looked at some old Memphis stats is – Tony Pollard was there, and um, he only had seventy-eight rushes, uh, rushing attempts in his uh, last year at Memphis, and only caught thirty-nine receptions. So, and we've we've seen what Pollard can do. I mean, he's he's definitely a stud at the NFL level. So, it just shows me that um, that's kind of how the Memphis coaching staff handles their that position. They just don't they really single it to one player. They don't get a lot of guys involved, and, um, and that that doesn't really scare me. Is you know the lack of of. Uh, carries and and catches that Gibson had in college
2: I'm gonna agree with you man um I really do think you just look at his size and his speed and his ability I I think he's gonna be an NFL guy I do think the only problem he's gonna have is if if he can pass uh McKissick early on I do think McKissick will take that role early on but I think they're gonna want to get younger at the position and pass Gibson and Gibson passing
1: you're definitely you're definitely right and Um, one thing I'll point out is he had a lot of very good players around him at Memphis. I mean, I know it's a smaller college, but they had, um, Coxie who they, who's a very good receiver at the uh, college level. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell has been there and he's been a very good running back. And then the first year he got there, Darrell Henderson and Tony Pollard were there. So he's had a lot of competition for carries there. And, um, yeah, like you said, if you just look at him, you watch his highlights, this guy is a, is a physical freak and, um, they they have to find a way to get him the ball. This team is, besides McLaurin, is completely void of any real threats at the you know on the offensive side of the ball. So they have to find a way to get Antonio Gibson the ball. And you don't draft this guy in the third round without some some sort of plan early on. So um, I agree with you. I think he can can get on the field on third downs early. But over the over the last half of the season, if he really starts learning this offense and he really starts getting his footing in the running game, I think he could be a um a very good player in fantasy football all right let's pass it over to Terry McLaur let's talk about let's pass it over to Solis with Terry McLaurin. I know he's done a lot of research on him and you're you're a big fan of his
4: yeah I do like uh scary Terry Terry McFly whatever you want to call him um NFC East is getting loaded with certain skill players to be honest so you just can't hate some of these guys ADP right now is 58 um he's my wide receiver 23 last year he finished uh wide receiver 29 in PPR formats with 191 points I don't think he does worse than that um, I think, I have him at 23 right now. I could see him breaking the top 20. Um, he doesn't have really any other competition for targets, um, and he's being drafted in the fifth round behind guys like Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, and Devontae Parker. I, kinda, I think he fits there, don't get me wrong, um, but I think he has upside over Keenan Allen. Maybe not Lockett and maybe not Devontae Parker, but I do think he deserves to be in that realm. Um, he earned PFF's sixth highest grade, uh, receiving grade at 86.5 last year as a rookie while seeing the second lowest accuracy percentage at 46.15% among rookie receivers. Um, So, think about that. Uh, Biggest knock on him is his quarterback. Um, 16-game pace last year with Haskins. Actually, first, let me get into his stats. Stats, he ended with 91 targets, 58 receptions, 919 yards, 7 touchdowns, which is pretty good for a rookie, and a YPR at 15.8. I got some other good stats on him, but if you look at a 16-game pace last year with Haskins, um, His 16-game pace last year with Haskins would have went for 107 targets, 69 receptions, 1,054 yards, and 4.6 touchdowns. Um, My only knock on him is his touchdowns with Haskins. Uh, His 16-game pace last year with all the quarterbacks, essentially, was 106 targets, 66 receptions, 1,050 yards, and 8 touchdowns. So, Haskins, as long as he improves, McLaurin's going to do just fine. Um, A couple other stats that I thought were pretty interesting – um he had 21 deep targets 24th in the league 9.9 yards per target 12th in the league 2.3 yard 2.38 yards per route run 19th in the league and 13.9 average target distance 21st in the league I mean all these stats are in the top 30 some most are in the top 10 I mean 20 um and one big one I thought was cool he had 2.06 fantasy points per target and that's 19th in the league so I mean all these stats are just leading up for him to be a top 20 receiver in my opinion my, t- my wide receiver 23 at the moment.
3: Yeah, and I'll, I'll add on to that. Um, Scary Terry was great last year with the QB play that he had to put up almost 1,000 yards. And me and Sam actually went back and watched some uh, tape on him. And honestly, if Haskins would have just been a, just a little bit better last year, he would have surpassed 1,000 yards. And And I think another year with Haskins, Haskins got a little more time to develop. He doesn't have as much pressure going on. Uh, I think he does improve a little bit, and I do think Scary Terry for sure surpasses 1,000 yards, and I can see him in the – he he caught seven touchdowns last year, which is pretty good, but I I can see him getting above that. I mean, uh, Scary Terry's a guy that we need to be watching this year for sure.
1: Yeah, one thing i like to point out is uh, they did play together – Haskins and McLaurin did play together Ohio State, and then they did have some experience last year. So with this offense having really no weapons around him – this is and them having some pretty good chemistry together. I, I think they could really click together and you don't you don't have to be on a good offense to be a great uh fancy wide receiver. You don't even really have to have a great quarterback to be a, a good fancy wide receiver. Look so, at DeAndre Hopkins. All those <laughs> years. Exactly. <laughs> there's and there's a ton of and look at Allen Robinson his whole career. Yeah. He's still yeah. he's still been a baller. Entire career. I, I think yeah. McLaurin's actually a better athlete than Allen Robinson. Yeah. So, I, I agree. Yeah. McLaurin's
4: filthy yeah. I watched this tape recently too to back y'all up nuts yeah so I, good.
1: if he can just get a little bit better uh, quarterback play and if he gets the targets that he has potential to he could definitely be a, a top 15 top 12 uh, receiver this year
4: yeah uh, speaking of, of another team with a second year quarterback being drafted in the first round let's move on to the Giants here um, I don't have a whole lot to say on their offense I mean we kind of know the focal point uh, Daniel Jones I think he, he, he's getting better every day um, Saquon Barkley and then some of the receivers as well as the tight end but overall the biggest change to me there. Are the coaches changed. They, they hired Joe Judge, head coach, first head coaching position, though he does have 15 years of coaching experience. Uh, Patriots special teams uh, special teams coach and wide receiver coach. And he's also been a part of five championship teams between Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, two of some of the most respected coaches in college football and the NFL. Um, they hired Jason Garrett as their OC, offensive coordinator. Uh, fun fact, Garrett was the Giants backup quarterback from 2000 to 2003. Um, Jason Garrett has seen three NFC um titles as well as coach of the year in 2016 um and i mean yeah, while garrett did get a lot of bad rep um the, the cowboys never really had a bad offense under him they were always pretty good um uh correct me if i'm wrong there pence but uh, that was just because of their talent I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong but I mean, they still yeah, finished I mean, pretty well each year i
3: mean he had some good offenses he did
1: he definitely did And every every quarterback and coach at the dallas gets over scrutinized so i think Maybe yeah, that's reputation. just the nature of being in Dallas Exactly, exactly. So The reputation yeah. may be a little bit worse than what it actually is, like you're saying.
4: Exactly. And then one more coach that they hired, Freddie Kitchens is their tight ends coach. So they have some experience back there. Um, so we'll see. But, Pence, what do you got on Daniel Jones? I know you're a fan of him.
3: Yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones, uh, they drafted him last year. I wasn't really that high – when they drafted him I was kind of excited. I was like, man, they just they just <laughs> drafted Eli Manning 2.0. I mean, yeah. I got really excited.
1: You and the rest of the
3: world? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we yeah. got I mean, I was really happy to see that. But I mean, honestly, he overperformed for what he was given to last year and actually played a lot better than I expected. He threw for 3027 yards. He did not start every game and he threw for 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions with a wide receiver core that was struggling to stay healthy their tight end was struggling to stay healthy so I mean really it was Daniel Jones throwing to a bunch of young guys who were new in the system and Saquon who also you know he dealt with a little bit last year also so I mean the team really um had a hard time last year um they did hire the Clapper and Jason Garrett as an OC so I, I can see um, Daniel Jones, you know, he can t- he'll, he'll take a step forward. He, he's got, um, you know, Jason Garrett, like I said, I, I've been bashing the guy. You know, good guy. He's a good coach. I just, you know, I think he's a little lost in the time. I do think Daniel Jones does improve this year. I see a lot of people calling him a sleeper. And I can't really get behind it just because of Garrett. But if some way he changes and... He gets away from I'm going to stuff the ball down your throat, which he really can't with this offensive line with the Giants. Uh, Soldier opted out. Um, They have Will Hernandez at left guard, and they have I think a rookie starting at right tackle. Is that
1: Uh, yes? They're going to have Andrew Thomas start. Yeah,
3: Andrew Thomas. I mean, he's good, but I mean, we're, we're talking about young guys. Their offensive line is not the Cowboys' offensive line when Garrett was there. So he's going to have to find a way to get Daniel Jones to take that next step forward. I will say he was a better athlete than I expected. He actually ran for two hundred and seventy-nine yards last year, which is um a pretty good amount for a QB. And I, I can expect him, you know, watching a couple of games, I can expect him keeping that same pace around there, and, and he'll punch a couple couple touchdowns in. And spe- I mean, now I'm going to get to the the main ta- uh, <laughs> the main, main the main act for the Giants. Um, what do you guys have on Saquad this year?
1: I mean, there's there's really not a lot, whole lot to say. I mean, he's. He's getting drafted second overall in drafts, and I think that's exactly where he should go. Um, like you said, Jason Garrett's probably going to try to force feed him the ball, uh, Tyler, and um, I, I definitely think you're correct there. We, we saw how many times they gave the ball to Zeke when when Garrett was there, and I think they do a similar thing here. You, you mentioned that their offensive line's not good enough to be able to do that, and I I agree with you there, but this is also a very bad defense, and I think Garrett wants to keep that defense off the field, and that's going to be with running Saquad a lot, um, and they're going to use him a lot in the passing game. I I actually think that if he stays healthy, he has a very good chance to challenge McCaffrey as a number one uh, fantasy player this year.
3: Yeah, I agree. (laughs) He he definitely will be able to fight uh, McCaffrey. I mean, Zeke had some number one years in fantasy uh, under Jason Garrett, so I can see that, and Saquon is a freaking freak. A freaking freak. A freaking freak. You know what I'm saying? That guy, <laughs> that guy is incredible. So, so like I said, we'll keep it brief on Saquon. Uh, Roy, do you have anything to say about Saquon before we move on to?
2: No, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I
3: mean, there's not much to say, man. There's really so he's not. A top, he's a top three back. Take him. So, if you're not number one, and McCaffrey goes one, yeah, you're one. taking Saquon. Sleep, sleep easy. Okay, I got you. Saquon two. So, okay, you know, I I've already uh, said my piece about Evan Ingram last last week, but Sam, I'm gonna let you try to try to give him a little upside here what do you think
1: yeah I mean I, I agree injuries are definitely a concern with him but he has been a target hog ever since he's entered this offense uh, he was drafted in the first round after he ran a a 442 and a with a 36 inch vertical of the combine which are both crazy numbers for a, for a tight end even though he's basically a, a wide receiver that they list at a tight end it's still good numbers last year under Danny Dimes he only had one game under seven targets and was actually on pace for 136 targets before he got hurt I know those are, you know, that's a high target volume, but um, he did have Saquon was hurt, Um, Shepard was hurt during that time. Golden Tate was suspended, so I don't expect that many targets this year. Um, Their team overall, as far as receivers and tight ends, it's kind of hard to gauge because they did deal with so many injuries, and they were all at kind of different times. I mean, you had Slayton come in early, or he he didn't play much early. He was a rookie. You know, Tate was suspended. They all got hurt. I mean, it was. It's kind of hard to figure out um, how this offense is going to run this year, but I mean the guy's still a stud. Uh, He's Danny Dimes did look for him early and often last year, and I don't think that changes too much. Um, Jason Garrett's run-heavy offense may hurt him a little bit, but this defense is so bad that they can't run the ball. uh, They can't run the ball too much. They're going to have to throw the ball a little bit. Um, If he stays if he stays healthy, uh, I think he brings return at the you know the seventh and eighth round ADP that he's going. I think 70 catches, 800 yards, and six touchdowns is is very reasonable. It's just a matter of not whether he can stay on the field or not. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't predict injuries. Uh, he didn't deal with too many in college, but he has had quite a few since he came into the NFL. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think in the seventh and eighth round, it may be a little too early to me for me, but uh, I mean, mid eighth and ninth, I would, I would have no problem adding him to my team.
3: Yeah, and then I'll I'll not bash him for a second, and I'll add to your list. I mean, if you go back and look at the Cowboys' offenses under Jason Garrett, Jason Witten has been ha, was a very fantasy relevant tight end in his years. They target the tight end, and you put an athlete out there like Evan Ingram. Like I said, my bashing last episode had nothing to do with his pure talent or what he ran or anything like that. I just I'm not gonna draft somebody that has that many in- injuries, but if the guy plays. Jason Garrett's shown that he uses the tight ends. I mean, he he will target them. So, if he stays and he plays, I mean, he is that that sixth, that seventh round draft pick. But I'm just, I personally won't take him there.
0: And for young quarterbacks, the tight end's always kind of like a safety blanket. Right, right. and And you saw Jason Witten in 2009 get thrown to 83 times. In, yeah, in 2019. 2019. Even that. though he did play in two thousand nine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we, we talking about Mac Miller? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, but Peter the goat. But seriously, Evan Ingram is a threat on that offensive side if he's on the field, as you were saying. Um, and Jason does love the tight end, and you would expect Daniel Jones to love the tight end as well.
2: For
1: sure. I mean, Roy, like I talked about earlier, there was these receivers. Man, they they all had different weeks when they were really good, but they just all miss a lot of time due to various things. Um, is there one guy that's standing out to you early on in this draft season?
2: Well, real quick, I cannot believe that Pinks would be so blasphemous to Jason Garrett, the three-time Super Bowl champ. What is he thinking, man? <laughs> uh, nah, man. Uh, but on a serious note, to me, you kind of have a 1A, 1B type situation. Um, You know, last year, it seemed like they never had all three of those guys healthy because they really didn't. You know, Tate with the suspension early. uh, Shepard battled some concussions. Uh, I think Slayton missed a couple of games as well. Um, To me, Shepard, it's a 1A, 1B, and it's Shepard is the 1A as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, He averaged eight targets a game in the 10 games he played, which would put him on a pace for 131. On the season, I don't know if he will quite reach that, but um, I think he's the guy. His ADP is 133 in the 11th round, and when he did play, he was putting up wide receiver two numbers. I think if you can get him in the ninth or tenth round and you have a solid or what you think is a solid receiver couple options early on, you take him. Because the guy's going to give you good flex numbers or he's going to give you wide receiver two upside so, to me, it's Shepard one, Tate two. Tate, whenever he had eight targets last game, mind you, that was a lot of with Shepard out. With eight targets per game last year, he averaged 18.3 points. I don't know about you, but in PPR, it seems like good wide receiver two numbers to me. I'll take that. All right? But with Shepard in, it seemed like Shepard ate into those targets. I do think at his... Uh, 161 13th round I think it's worth a dart to throw at Tate if he's going to be out there that late in there uh with Ingram coming back though you know Tate eats up the middle of the field so with Ingram coming back you might want to limit those expectations a little bit but he looks like he could be worth flex numbers there um and and then and then the number three there for me is Slayton uh I I, I think it's 1A1B and then Slayton is three and he seems like his ADP is a little rich for me at uh 106 which is around the ninth round uh a, to me it's a boomer bus player if you want a dynasty look i think slayton's worth ha- hanging on or a deeper league but he scored eight touchdowns last year and um uh, he had three two touchdown games so six of those touchdowns came in three games if you want to limit that so i wouldn't get too wrapped up in him but he did put out some good weeks but he's a daily boomer bust for me.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on Slayton. I, I'm trying to find which receiver I liked best out of this group, and man, the the targets were all over the board for Slayton, and even when guys were missing time, I mean, he'd have 15 targets one game, next game he'd have two. Like you said, the, the touchdown numbers and the yardage numbers were there, but I mean, I think he had three games over 150 yards, or at least two of them. The three of the games, he had two touchdowns, and they were just a lot of huge weeks and a lot of low weeks, and when you're looking at a guy that you're trying to start in your flex I don't I would rather not have that I'd rather have more you know more consistency but he definitely has the biggest upside out of these three names um I, I'm fine with any of these guys I mean you can look at different numbers during their years last year and be excited about what they can do this year like I said I mean Sterling Shepard was on pace for 130 targets um and he didn't have one game under six targets. So that's, I mean, you can count on that as a flex play every week. If you if you got a guy getting six targets and he's as talented as Sterling Shepard is, you can throw him in the flex every week and, and feel comfortable with him. Uh, Golden Tate, kind of the same thing. But like you said, Saquon and Evan Ingram are back healthy going into the year. So that may take away from, you know, some of his targets out of the slot. But I'm actually fine with all three of these guys and where they're going. I'd probably prefer uh, Shepard or Tate due to their ADP, but if Slayton's there in the ninth or 10th round and I, you know, I want a high upside receiver, I have no problem taking him.
2: Most definitely, man. Uh, but for me, if you're asking of the three, I think Shepard's my guy, and I, and I said that he's one of my sleepers. Uh, to me, Shepard's the guy.
1: And I, I, I can agree with you, Roy. If I had to pick one uh, with their ADP, um, I, I'm, I'm probably taking Shepard just because the the targets were there consistently. Um, and he was playing early on when Saquon was playing, when Evan Ingram was playing. Um, I, I, I do think he carves out a pretty solid role in this offense as long as he can avoid the concussions, which are getting really scary at this point. He's he's starting to add those up quite a bit. But, man, if he can stay on the field, I think he's going to be a very, very nice flex play, and I think you're getting him at a pretty good discount.
0: Yeah, and, and to add on to Sterling Shepard, I'll say one thing about him. I, I had him last year. Um, wasn't very happy with him overall. Um, and if you look at his overall record he went 16 games 11 games 16 games and 10 games over his four-year career he's averaging below or right around 65 catch catch percentage I don't think this guy has the capability of being a number one receiver in the NFL um, with that being said I would probably look more on the upside of Darius Slayton
1: yeah and I, I agree I mean um, Shepard's not the number one, but he can still, you know, provide solid uh, fantasy value. Uh, I do agree with you though. Slayton is where all the upside lies. Uh, he averaged over 20 yards per catch in college, and he proved that wasn't a fluke in the NFL last year when he averaged over 15 yards per target. I mean, uh, per reception, um, he was a big play threat. The only thing that scares me a little bit with him is Jason Garrett has had a very conservative offense in the past, and I don't think Daniel Jones. I don't think he's really a, a deep threat guy, so I think they may get a little more conservative this year, which may take away a little bit from uh, Darius Slayton value um, with with the deep ball. So now, guys, we're gonna jump over to kind of a fun little segment we're gonna do here with uh, kind of a my guys, just guys that at each position that we really like and we really like where they're going and we're, they're guys that we're gonna be targeting in every draft. I'm gonna go ahead and kick it off. Um, at the QB position, mine is Tom Brady. This is the best receiving core that Tom's had. Since Moss left New England in 2009, uh, his offensive line's a little bit of a downgrade, but they're still good up the middle where pressure hurts Brady the most. Um, besides Mahomes or Dak, who has better talent surrounding him? I mean, he, he may have more talent than, than one of those guys. He has crazy amount of talent. Um, he's getting picked in the 10th round as the 10th quarterback off the board. That's, that's crazy to me. Um, I mean, do y'all remember Peyton Manning's first season in Denver? This is kind of a similar scenario where he's, Oh, people yeah. I mean, people like, are thinking he may be done. And you he threw do for
3: like 5,000 yards. Yeah, and like, <laughs> and like, like 50 170 touchdowns. <laughs> he touchdowns. He broke I mean, the touchdown record. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, I I like
1: it. And I, I, I kind of see a similar scenario uh, here. He's going into Bruce Arians' um, pass-first vertical offense, and I think he puts up huge passing totals. And I think both Godwin and Evans go over 10 receptions, touchdowns, or they have the ability to. I think Brady's a monster this year. And as a 10th-round pick, I'd be glad to take him every draft I can get him. Uh, Josh Jacobs. I've already talked about this guy a lot. I think the touchdowns go up. I think the uh, receptions go up, and I think he has a he has one of the biggest workloads at any running back this year. I don't think it's crazy to think he's a top three or even a top five selection uh, next year in fantasy drafts. Um, he was a very elusive back, forced a lot of missed tackles, had one of the highest um, yards after contact rate in the league. I think he builds on this on his great rookie season behind that massive offensive line. Um, a guy that I'm very high on that. So uh, that Pence is not high on is Adam Thielen. Um, I, don't, I think people forget that uh, in 2018 he put up 113 catches on 153 targets while Diggs was there. Thir- over 1,300 uh, total yards and, and nine touchdowns. He's getting a little bit older, but he's only 30 years old. Uh, to me, he looked like the same guy last year, um, and he was actually wide receiver nine in PPR leagues before he got hurt. And then he came back in the playoffs and, and still looked very well. Um, Diggs is gone. I don't think, and I don't think they'll be able to run the ball as much to, as much as they did last year. I don't. I think the efficiency goes down a little bit in the running game, and their defense is a lot worse with Everson Griffin, Linville Joseph, and Trey Wayne gone. Um, I think Jefferson, uh, Justin Jefferson, and the tight ends help uh, take some uh, pressure off of him, but I don't think they take too many targets. He's going in the fourth round. I think he could be a top five wide receiver if everything falls right. And then another guy I'm high on at the tight end position is uh, is Fant. Um, like we've talked about, he's he had a great rookie year last year. Um, I know targets are a little bit of a concern, but um, I just believe in the talent here. Um, I, I, like I mentioned in the uh, AFC uh, West preview, um, his he was top ten in yards per target by a rookie since two thousand seven with some impressive names. Uh, just to name a few: Gronk, Kittle, Ertz, and Gone Forever, and Hernandez.
3: I'm gonna roll into my my four guys. I'm I'm probably I'm not gonna go into as a de- at in depth as Sam is, but, um, guys that I want in every draft, I really want Dak Prescott. I think he surpasses 5,000 yards this year and probably throws for 35, 35 touchdowns. So I want him. I think he finishes top two, top three QB. Uh, another guy that, you know, I've already talked about in this episode. And, and like I said, it hurts me a little bit to talk about cause I just, the Eagles are just, ugh. but Miles Sanders, I, I really do want this guy on my team and I'm going to be fighting people off for him. Uh, I, I think he can finish the year with seventeen hundred all purpose yards. I think he's super talented and, and I love hearing that he's gonna get the, the full workload.
4: He finishes sixteen hundred yards as a rookie all purpose, so seventeen hundred is very doable. Yeah,
3: I mean, like I said, seven I mean, I'm just I'm just saying, 1,700 would be fantastic for me. I'd, I'd love that. And with a couple more touchdowns, like I said, his touchdown total was low. That's the only reason why he didn't just burst out last year.
1: Yeah, a lot had to do with, with Howard being there. Who's right, gone, yeah. so.
3: exactly. Um, And then my receiver this year, and he's not getting talked about enough, and, and it's starting to bug me, but um, Odell Beckham, guys, he had a hip injury last year. Uh, Let's not act like he's just a, a scrub receiver that got hurt and has nothing left. I mean, he's a super talented young guy. One, um, You know, two years ago, he was talked about being a top two receiver in the league. So, I, I just – I want him on my team. Baker's going to be ready. They got a new offensive coordinator. I think they got all the bad stuff out of that damn team. And I'm ready to see Odell explode this year. And then I talked about Hayden Hurst a couple episodes ago. I want the guy on my team. I'm going to be drafting him in every draft that I possibly can. I think the upside is just
0: too high for me to not want him there. For my guys, I want to go all Chiefs players so bad. <laughs> but to – not just sit here and go Patrick Mahomes, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. We'll go, we'll go a different route. So, um, my quarterback that I'm really targeting this year in the draft it's a big scam, Newton. <laughs> he's going to a new team. scammy, And he's had a year off. This man's ready to play football. And we see it, you know. I see you've been watching his Twitter videos. All of them. <laughs> Okay. All of them. If I had a cigar right now, I'd look just like Cam. Can
4: you man. decipher what he's trying to say in his text though? Or? Not a <laughs>
0: not a thing. But luckily we can just have him run and throw the football. Um so you're a Patriots fan now. We could
4: we, I'm just, I'm we, we, we
0: could be leaning that way with old old Cam Cam. Um then at my running back position I got Todd Gurley. This man is he's 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 not going as high as he was two years ago, for obvious reasons. But he's going back to his hometown. He's going back to his his place, his domain. I think he's ready. I mean, if you go back and look at his stats, the man dang near averaged over 1,000 yards over his five-year career, or his five-year career so far. He's got nothing but upside. And saying he's not in the top five running backs this year is kind of silly to me. But then, so my wide receiver, Allen Robinson, um, guy's always good. He's he's dependable even with horrible quarterbacks. Um tight end, we're gonna we're gonna touch in your little ballpark. So least we got Zach Ertz for my tight end. Love it. Yeah, I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna continue with the birds.
4: Uh my quarterback, Carson Wentz, I think he's gonna have a great year. Last year he finished finished as QB nine uh with two hundred and eighty-two points. Um I personally think QB nine would be his floor this year. Um he did start sixteen out of sixteen games. Through for 4,000 yards, first 4,000-yard season in his career, uh, 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. And that's all with a dissipated receiving core. I believe he's going to go off this year. Um, my running back, David Johnson, pretty big on him this year. Um, and really all my guys, I'm, I'm going off their, their uh, ADP and where I think that they should be drafted. And I think all these guys are cu- currently going in, a, in an area that I believe is, is right. So um, his ADP is 29, my RB 17. Um, he, he's getting drafted right where he should be. Uh and Hyde leaves 245 vacant carries. I think that's plenty for uh for David Johnson. Calvin Ridley's gonna be my receiver. Um big fan. I have him as my wide receiver 16 this year. His schedule is ranked as the eighth easiest. Atlanta threw the ball six hundred and fifty-four times last year, four hundred and twenty-one times the receivers, which is tied with the Rams for fifth highest. I'm not saying he's Chris Godwin, but I think he has a potential he has a potential to break out in a Chris Godwin type of role uh behind Julio Jones. Um, and then Mike Gesecki is my tight end. And I, I read some stuff a little bit earlier that deterred me a little bit from Gesecki, but I like where he's getting picked at. He did have kind of a mini breakout year. He had 89 targets, um, 51 receptions, 570 yards and five touchdowns. I, I think he's just going to continue to get better. Um, and Miami did throw the ball 602 times last year, 19.3% to, um, tight ends, which is 116 total times. We can uh, go ahead and jump into the bold predictions now. Sam, you want to start off, start us off there?
1: Yeah, for sure. Rob. My first one, I think it's pretty bold. Is I think one of Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller plays at least 13 or 14 games and ends up as a top 15 wide receiver when the season's over. I think if one of those guys can stay healthy, they're going to put up crazy numbers. Uh, someone has to fill the void of all Hopkins' targets, and Watson's still a monster. I think they're they're both in great positions as long as they can stay healthy. And then my next one is I believe Cleveland will be a, will be top three in offense efficiency this year. I really like their additions uh, this offseason. They really added to the offensive line. I think that was what killed them last year. Um, I really like what their uh, new offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, is going to bring. I think they run the ball a lot. I think they're very efficient. And like like uh, Penn said earlier, I think Odo has a bounce back year. I love all of the Browns players and where they're getting picked. Yeah, and
3: I'll go ahead and tell you my uh, my two and I'll tell you my first my second one first because Sam brought up the Browns. I actually have Odell finishes in the top five receivers in fantasy this year. I've already I, I already pointed on it. I, I really think he's gonna have a blow up year again. Um, and then for my second bowl prediction, I'm gonna bring it to the Homer. I think the Cowboys have three thousand yard receivers this year. Uh, CD Lamb, uh, Amari Cooper, and Gallup. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it.
1: I think that's a crazy one, but I think it is it is realistic. I think it's probably our, my favorite out of all of our bold yeah. predictions. I, I really like that one. I really hope it's Blake Jarwin over CeeDee <laughs> Land. He so, Lise, what do you got Jarwin Jarwin for your,
3: your bold hard. predictions?
4: It is an NFC episode, so we are NFC East episode, so we're going to stick with that. I think Carson Wim, Carson Wentz goes off this year. I see my bold prediction is he finishes top five. Of fantasy quarterback It's very high, but it's a bold prediction. 4,200 plus yards possibly 40 total touchdowns. He threw 33 two years ago when he was on the road to be an MVP in 13 games. 40 total. And he's thrown seven or less interceptions in the last three years. He's going to do that again. Um, my second, I believe Michael Pittman ends the season with seven-plus touchdowns, probably possibly 10. Michael Williams scored 10 total touchdowns in his second season on 43 receptions. Phil real the deal, will need to throw it up eventually. Pittmaster
0: will be there to snag it. Sticking to the quarterbacks, I'm going to go – Patrick Mahomes will break the single-season passing yards record, which is currently held by Peyton Manning at 5,477 yards. He's already shattering all the other records, so why not add that one to it? Um, And then my next one is Cam Newton will finish in the top five in the quarterbacks for fantasy this year. I think he's in a great situation with Bill Belichick as his coach, and then he's got a great sidekick in Sonny Michelle. We may see a different Patriots play style than – they have ever Played with That's
4: the boldest take We have of today <laughs> Boy, it's, it's, it's real
1: It's real bold Considering that uh, Sonny Michelle's not gonna play The first six to eight games Yeah Damian Harris baby. Why Why he hurt, he
4: hurt. Yeah Shit and, can't, and Cam Newton doesn't have That many weapons Brother Alright let's hit this exit and that's another wrap, guys. Thanks to everyone who listened to Episode 3, NFC East edition of Fake Football Real People. If you have any additional feedback, we'd love to hear it. Please feel free to reach out via Twitter at FFRP underscore podcast. Uh, we, we are continuing to plan on putting up a new episode each week, uh, and once the season starts, potentially two throughout the season. Uh, join us next week as we dive into the NFC, uh, uh, the NFC South. <laughs>